0: Hey, everybody, this is Carl Dixon from Coney Hatch. You're listening to Shane Christopher Neal on Classic
1: 1220 AM. He's bald, he's sexy, and he's a drummer. This is the Industry 45 Podcast Show with SCN. All right, uh, Classic 1220, Carl Dixon on the line. How you doing, my friend? I'm very good, Shane. How's it going? I'm doing great. You got some big news, and we're going to talk about that big news, and I'm super excited for that, and a show at the Elma Combo. No yes, place sir. you'd rather play than the Elma combo. Cause let's say, let's face it. The Rolling Stones play the Elma combo. So
0: if it's good enough for them,
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, I want to go back though, a little bit in the history uh, of Coney Hatch. Here's my question. When you started this band many, many years ago, yep. were you thinking, you know, we're going to do like two albums. We're going to, we're going to do a little tour here and then we're just going to go become truck drivers and, Whatever else we want to do in life, or did you have a long-term plan uh, to, to to be a rock star into 2023? What was your goal at the beginning of this?
0: My goodness. Well, I can assure you, I never had a thought of being anything else. Um, but I don't know if we even thought about it that much. It was re- we were so immersed into uh, the playing and the singing and the touring. You know, the days when we came up was when bands would play a week in one town in a bar and then move on to the next town for a week. So we we were doing that for several years uh, in Coney Hatch and in different bands. Well, Coney Hatch, only about a year like that. But we'd all cut our teeth and doing that circuit coming up. So that just became, this is what we do. Um, But looking so many years down the road, (laughs) I knew I always wanted to... uh, be involved in music because I've been doing it since I was three or four years old. Right. But I remember thinking when I was, you know, I played drums in high school and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to maybe, oh, when I'm really old, like 50 or something, <laughs> have, have a little jazz gig where I play drums for fun. And that was about the only other thing I ever imagined doing.
1: So when you started, how old were you when you started in, in Coney Hatch? And, and was it difficult at that time? Um, to, to get a record deal and to get a record out there to the public? At the, you know, give me the genesis of that a little bit.
0: Uh, let's see. When I joined Coney Hatch, I was 21, I think. Or 21, 20. Maybe I just turned 22. Uh, yeah, so I just turned 22. And, uh, well, you know, there were a lot more bands running around then, and everybody thought they had a shot because if they just got the right songs or the right act or the right image even they, everybody felt well if, if we get a record deal we're in you know we got it made and we're off to the magic kingdom um so the, it was but at that time there was a structure a ladder you could imagine climbing right you know with the, with the way the record business was at that time all the major labels and then the, the uh smaller labels but there was this system of you get yeah. signed, you do a record, there's promo, you go on a tour, there's a publicity department, there, there are radio stations to play the music, right. so you could envision... Uh, climbing, if your first record wasn't hit, you, okay, we'll get them next time, you know. It's kind of like the Leafs (laughs) every year. We'll get them next year.
1: (laughs) You you know, funny story about about the Leafs is that uh, last night, of course, they were losing uh, by, like, what, four goals, three goals to Tampa, and I was on my, with my work people, we were texting, and they were all depressed, and by the end of the game, they sent me this text, and it said, like, where's the the Stanley Cup parade going to be? So, Leaf fans, you know, it's just like, It's insane. Anyway, um, yeah. With Coney Hatch, as you, you got so many great songs, what made you a good songwriter, and how did you know that? I guess you don't when you're 21 years old, but uh, what 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 were some of your tricks? I guess if you would to to write some of those great songs at such a young age.
0: I think uh, I grew up really being a fan of top 40 radio. I loved hit singles, and when I was growing up, there were all kinds of different styles of music on the same chart it wasn't segmented into 15 different charts the way it later became you would hear the isley brothers and the beatles and credence and a country song and the, you know a led zeppelin single on the same charts right In the same same afternoon of airplay and it was all just so exciting and the structure of a song that has a, a catchy bit that you can walk away singing that always impressed me i thought that's the way you do it why else are you going to take up people's time if you don't give them something that that sticks with them right so i had that outlook going in and being a you know a singer i always liked a, a good melody as well so those two things contributed to my style and then i was always kind of a literary guy i was reading since i was 3 years old and i loved books and i loved um history and i love novels and I, I took two englishes when i was in grade 13 to uh because they were there right so words were always a really um i guess interesting thing for me so that was uh, something i could use for my lyric writing and the idea i always had was trying well this is classic songwriting say the same thing in a new way if you can
1: Right, and you do such a great job, and your melodies are off the chart. You know I love them. Kim Mitchell produced your first album. I did not know that.
0: Ah, yes. Well, Kim is the reason we went from contenders in the bars, you know, popular in the bars, to suddenly having a record, uh, because he had just uh, broken up Max Webster and was looking, he was wondering, what do I do next? And his lyric writer, Pai Dubois, saw us on our first ever night playing the old Gasworks in downtown Toronto wow. on, y- uh, on Yonge Street. So the other guys in Coney Hatch were very excited about, oh my God, we're at the Gasworks. I, I didn't grow up in Toronto, so it didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, Andy Curran saw Pie in the audience, recognized him, because Max Webster used to put their lyric writer's photo in with the musician's photos on the album covers. Right. So he walked over to Pie, gave him a Coney Hatch button that... The old lapel buttons, like you know, new wave bands and punk bands <laughs> used to have. We had Coney Hatch pins, so he gave one to Pi and and said, uh, "Hope you like it." So Pi did like it. He went home and told Kim Mitchell, "Hey, this this pr- this pretty exciting band I saw tonight down at the Gasworks. Let's go! Uh, you should come see them." So Kim did, and he liked it, and he got involved with us. And it was uh, that was the single biggest thing for us to make rapid progress was Kim taking an interest.
1: So what you're saying is all the bands today should get themselves those pins and give them out to the audience because <laughs> you never know where it going to
0: go. Yeah, uh, get, a, get, right, get the right lapel pin and your career will take off.
1: <laughs> uh, another name I want to throw out to you, Barry Connors. I did not know that he played drums in Coney Hatch, what, in, in 83, like early on, correct? Well, 85. 85. Okay, my years are wrong, but Barry was there.
0: Yeah, well, he, you know, he had uh, that's, that's an episode in Coney Hatch history that, Uh, we look on it as something we might've done differently in retrospect.
1: Right. Okay. Fair enough. I just did Um, not know that he played with you guys at all. And then I saw it and I was like, Yeah, he
0: did our Friction album, our third album. And then, you know, things kind of went in a different direction for all of us (laughs) after that. But yeah, he he was on board for that one. And yeah, there are times that... uh, Well, you can't undo anything. We all learned a lot from the experience. Let's put it that way.
1: Well, that's great. And that's what it's all about, right? As you uh, get older like we are. So your new album, Postcard from Germany. So here's my first question. How come you only sent out one postcard. I always want to say it's postcards <laughs> from Germany. Is there a reason why? I don't know. It just postcards just seems to roll off my tongue and I'm like, no, it's, it's not plural. So who came up <laughs> with the name of the album other than it was recorded in Germany, obviously uh, in 2018. Cause I, I do like the title of the, of the album.
0: Uh, well, it sounds like I'm taking credit for everything. You just happen to be asking those questions. I did think of the album title because I, I loved us doing our show in Germany. I'd been there with my solo album, my first solo album. But Tony Hatch had never played in Germany before, and it was a much different experience. So being with you know my longtime friends and playing uh, this this music that was so entrenched in rock fans' memories, so the show went great. We were all excited. We did a great performance, and I'll tell you the when I thought about it, I uh, how do we package this album? What do we call it? I was thinking of the old free live album free was one of my favorite bands when i was a kid oh nice Uh, best known for all right now and uh, but you know i had their whole catalog anyway their free live album was packaged like an airmail letter with package with uh stamps uh yeah yeah i I remember that photo of each guy yeah Yeah. so i thought that was a really cool packaging idea and i guess it's me emulating my favorite bands (laughs) idea in, in a slightly different way. So yeah, we, the album is the postcard, but then for fun, we each wrote a mock postcard to go in the uh, oh, nice. artwork on the inner sleeve.
1: So when you recorded this at the heat festival in Germany, did you know at that time it would be a live album or was just, it was just recorded. And then you kind of thought, you know, a little bit later, cause we're now 2023 that you were going to make this an album. Was it, was it shot for an album, like recorded for an album?
0: It was, a possible uh, becoming an album. What happened was we were booked to do the show. We had no plan of doing an album. Uh, we'd, we we had done our last studio album, Coney Hatch 4, in 2013. But we had this offer to play in Germany. Great. And then the people running the show, when we got there, said, look, uh, we have a complete Pro Tools recording setup, multi-track. We'll record your whole show for 100 euros. What do you think? So I... I a hundred euros man sure i'll do that so i give them a hundred euros they sent me the tracks uh, later on and so we sat on them for a while and then the pandemic hit Uh, but we started to have the idea let's make a live album out of this so the tracks just had so much fire in them so much energy and the european crowd was so uh, excited and in, especially for our music uh, from the our songs from the third album Friction. They love those in Europe. So it was just great to hear the crowd energy when you listen back to
1: those tracks. That's that's awesome. You put out a live album Live at the Combo, as well not that long ago. So how does this differ other than this is obviously a show from Germany like one specific show uh because when did you put out Live at the Combo? Was it like last two, last year um, two years ago or no?
0: You know what? We had a show our show at the El Combo that was recorded was still in pandemic time. Okay. They, yes, they weren't allowed. That was when uh, facilities weren't allowed to have many people in. I think they were only allowed to have 50 people in the whole building. So it was a light crowd, but we recorded it, and we had the idea at that time, well, we don't know. Oh, I know. We were already in negotiation with somebody for the German album, but it was taking forever, and this El Macombo album, once again, they just recorded it for us and gave us the tapes. Well, tapes, whatever you call them, these <laughs> digital files now.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. See, you're <laughs> yeah, old. You're, you're old. You're calling them tapes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So they gave us that, and we thought, well, we know for sure that we can do something with this. I can't even remember how that came about, except Andy had the idea of making it like the Aerosmith uh, bootleg. Yes. You know, my official bootleg album. So that came out in very short order and it it was a nice thing for us. But all the time we had the Germany album in the can and the German album has a much different uh, set list. Okay. It's got, it's got a number of songs from the friction album that we had hardly, we hadn't played in many years, but uh, we dusted them off to go to Germany and and that's what makes it really different. Plus, of course, the German postcard from Germany has the two new songs on it.
1: Yes, I was just going to mention that it's about a girl and heavens on the other side. I watched the yeah. video for it's. It's about a girl. I, I love the song. So, talk just a little bit about those two songs since they're brand new.
0: Yeah, we had uh, an instrumental tracks for each of those that we Andy uh, Curran and Dave Ketchum and I when we were doing our uh, four album. We had an extra afternoon, just the three of us there. We said, well, let's not let these t- this time go to waste. Let's bang out a, f- a couple of other possibles. So I had the music idea of that in mind. I hadn't—I All I had at the time I, I uh, suggested it was the chorus, really, but I knew how I wanted it to go roughly. So we just made up the parts on the spot. Andy had Heavens on the Other Side as something rough in his mind. Right. Neither, one of us, neither one of us had written the songs yet, and so when it came time to put together this Germany album, we thought, well, wouldn't it be great to add new songs to this? And really, it was to make it more different from the Elma Combo album. If we put new new material on it, that would really different, differentiate it. So we got to work finishing writing the songs. Each of us, Andy at his house, and me at mine, with our different styles and you can hear of course the different styles from our approaches but i think it, it still sounds like coney hatch in both cases
1: so this is a two disc cd correct and you can get this at the show which is obviously happening uh at no- november 11th at the elma combo but you're going to do some other shows i take it as well coming up because you can buy it on the website uh, as well i know
0: yeah well we we plan long range we have a january show at the oakville center for the performing oh nice, okay yeah the big theater there so that'll be a, a nice thing we we haven't been to theaters much so we'll see if if we're <laughs> if we're a little too rough edged for it or if it'll if it'll you know if they can host a rock band like us um, yes I, well I, you know I should mention the two disc sets of the CD actually will have available the new edition that's coming out only for Canada with the remastered debut Coney Hatch album as part oh,
1: of oh gotcha along nice whip. Okay.
0: Along with the postcard album. Yes. The, the the first album and the latest album in the same packaging.
1: Oh, that's nice. But uh, you can pick it up November the 11th. If you head out to the Elma combo, uh, what what else do you want to talk about? I just, you know, are we going to get another full studio album? Like maybe 2024. Do you think now that you've, you know, kind of got a couple of new songs out there, you got the itch. And what do you think about that? (laughs) What do you think about that idea?
0: Yeah, well, it's a great idea. It's funny. You should mention that we've, uh, Rekindled our relationship with Anthem Records. Well, the new Anthem Records, yes. as it is now, and they seem very interested in pumping things up with Coney Hatch again. And to have to put a new album together, you really do need that feeling of a partnership—that somebody you're go- is going to work with you on it and help you get it out there. It's it's just such a a universe of people avalanching music and albums and songs. Oh on yeah, the for sure. Now that you really need a partner to stand out from the pack and get anywhere. It's difficult for everyone these days, but if you're just on your own, I can't even imagine going out like that. So Anthem is interested in looking at the next project. So yes, discussions have begun.
1: Ah, that is wonderful. And finally, one thing I want to talk to you about, my friend, Sean Kelly, who Uh, I I love Sean. And and I went to uh, Toronto to see him and, and when he was playing in, um, what was that play? Rock of Ages. And yes. that, that was super awesome. Of course, plays with Lee Aaron. I saw him a few months ago with Lee in Thorold. He's been a part of Coney Hatch for a little while now. He's on the, the album in Germany, correct? Like the, the live album? It's just Okay. And and on the new material too. Nice. Just give me, uh, I mean, he is just not only a super nice guy, but, but extremely talented. He's an author of some great books, which I've read. And uh, just give me a little, you know, something about Sean Kelly and working with him.
0: Sean is a delight. Uh, we have a lot in common. We're both Northern boys. He's a North Bay boy. I'm originally from Sault Ste. Marie. We are both authors, and uh, we have worked together since about 2006 was when I first met Sean, and when he had his group called Crash Kelly. Right. And then I used to come get him to come out and do uh, weekends as an acoustic duo with me, and we did a number of appearances that way, and he played a number of shows with me. And then when it came time that we wanted somebody new for that lead guitar spot, I, had, I pushed hard for him because I believe in him and that his enthusiasm, his talent is off the charts. He's you know He gives you everything he's got with imagination and enthusiasm and incredible skill as a guitar player. So any band that gets him in their midst is lucky to have him.
1: And the number one asset, he's got great hair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that's so uh, really important. You know, get the image going.
1: This is the Industry Forty Five Podcast Show with Shane Christopher Neal.